Hey everybody, welcome to Studio HFL. I'm your host, Larry Powell, and thanks for tuning in to today's show. Today's interview is from a live event that I did last night with Thomas Gonch. Of course, that was January 24th, 2021. And Thomas helped me kick off my new Live With series. And Thomas being the first guest here in January, Rex Richardson is set for February. The Rom Family Trio, Ronald Rom, Avis Rom, and Aaron Rom, they will be on in March. And uh, working on Sergei Nikaryakov, Wayne Bergeron, Alan Vizzuti, Byron Stripling, and some other great live guests uh, for the months following that. So you can always find out more information about that on the website and stay tuned to social media. You'll see plenty of information there. Of course, you can listen to these interviews on any podcast platform, but now you have the option to also watch them on the Studio HFL YouTube channel. The fans recently stepped up and got the channel over the 100 subscriber mark. Thank you very much. And now my next goal is to get to 150 subscribers. You can help me get there simply by visiting the YouTube channel and subscribing. While you're at it, if you would also visit Apple Podcast and leave a star rating and a review, that would be greatly appreciated. And of course, following me on Facebook and Instagram at Studio HFL. If you want to keep up to date on releases and other news, you can subscribe to the newsletter at StudioHFL.com. Here's a huge shout out to my Patreon patrons for their generous support of the show. Your support, dear friends, goes a long way towards helping me to continue working to deliver the best possible end product. And for that, I am extremely grateful. If you would like to be a part of the Studio HFL community, please visit patreon.com slash studiohfl. You'll find there are four tiers of support from which you can choose, each with benefits for becoming a subscriber. And now a word about my show sponsors. Picket Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. There's an incredible line of mouthpieces, both custom and stock, that you can choose from with the expert guidance from Eric Murine. And the Blackburn trumpets are the choice of pros like Vince DiMartino and David Hickman. Design, execution, delivery, and customer service driven. Find out more at picketblackburn.com. Brass players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other musicians. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to a wide variety of color schemes. Don't forget about options for mouthpiece pouches, or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. One of the great things about small business is that you get the opportunity to provide exceptional customer service while delivering exceptional products. At Hammond Design, Carl Hammond provides a line of stock mouthpieces for trumpet, cornet, mellophone, trombone, and tuba, and custom orders for all of those plus flugelhorn. All of this made possible because Carl listens to you and then creates a piece to your specs. Everything is better in HD, and you can find out more about that at carlhammonddesign.com. The Eastman Music Company has become a force to be reckoned with by manufacturing and delivering high-quality instruments across the board. Eastman Winds provides a line of brass instruments from beginner to pro, and you know they're invested in the quality of every instrument when the one and only Doc Severinsen designed their beginner trumpet model. Find out more at eastmanwinds.com. And Essie Shires, another division of the Eastman Music Company, offers a complete line of brass instruments for the discerning musician. Stock options are available, but custom orders is where Shires has made their mark. As both an Eastman and a Shires artist, I can attest the quality of horn in my hands no matter what my performance situation. 
You can find out more at seshires.com. Hey, thanks again for being here. Now let's get to my interview with Thomas Gonch. <laughs> so, okay, we're live. Hey, everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL, where you truly do hear from legends. And we've got a living legend here today with Thomas Gonch. And uh, glad you're here. Uh, this is going to kick off the new Live With series for Studio HFL. We've already got, uh, of course, Thomas is here today. I've got Rex Richardson coming in February. Um, the Rom Family Trio in March. Sergei Nikoryakov in April. Wayne Bergeron in May. And I'm still working. So this is this is this is a great start. Oh, thanks for the invitation. I'm in good company. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. you know, if people don't know who you are, they're probably living under a rock somewhere. <laughs> uh, well, most people don't know me, but if they play the trumpet, they might know me. That's well, uh, okay. So that's who matters, right? All the trumpet players should know <laughs> should yeah. know who you are, <laughs> and and I would imagine a lot of people. Are like me, and in, in that the first introduction to you was through Minozal Brass, and I've I've been corrected several times on how to pronounce that. So from the source, uh, it's a long story cut short. It's a Czech name. The original Czech name it's pronounced Nozil, but uh, the forefathers of Nozil they went to Austria. They came to Vienna. And it got like Viennese, and now it's called Nozil here. Uh, but the, the Americans say nozzle, and the 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 <laughs> English the English say Manozil brass, and uh, yeah, there are different pronunciations everywhere. But it, it's it's just fine. Well, actually, one of the people that corrected me was uh, a former teacher of yours. I interviewed Carol Dawn Reinhardt last year, oh. and uh, she said, you would be surprised at three of my students, my former students. And she said, there's Thomas, oh, yeah. um, uh, of course, Leonard Powell, and yes. uh, was it Wil Wilfred? Wil uh, yeah, Wilfred. Thank you. Sorry. Brandstetter. Very nice name to pronounce. It's Brandstetter. Brandstetter. But she said uh, you guys were ideal students, perfect from top to bottom. Ah. No, I think I think history has blurred her memory. <laughs> no, she she true. actually she actually said uh, uh, well, not the, quite the opposite, but. Uh, but uh, well, okay. So she was the first one to correct me. She says Nozil brass, and it looks like uh, I'm looking at the comments really quick. It looks like we've got some spam people jumping in here. So I got to figure out how to how to change that later on. But uh, so where did you study with her? For those that hadn't heard that interview with Carol Dawn, uh, actually, on the Vienna Music University, there were three. Uh, trumpet seats for the classical trumpet and she was one of them but I never actually studied with her in in the trumpet class but I should have uh, when I think back now because uh, so Carolyn and myself we got really to know each other well uh, four years ago and uh, I I asked myself that question right right that moment. Why didn't I study with Carol? It would have been so much nicer and easier than with the two teachers I studied with. But I had her uh, in, a, in like a side study. She was conducting a, a, an orchestra. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and I, I played there with her. But now, since I decided she would have been the perfect teacher for me, I decided to tell people whenever they ask me, yes, I started with Carol Dawn Reinhardt. <laughs> everything I know, I know from her. Yeah. Well, she's a lovely person, you know, oh, yeah. and, and uh, she was a, a treat to get to interview. And she's she's a bad player. She she played live on 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 Johnny Carson, right? I asked Doc if he remembers her, and he was like, "Oh yeah, she can play. Wow!" Yeah. So she's a, a a real big player. Sorry, I have to close. No, no, that's okay. Because uh, you know, I'm trying to we we try to bring the kids to bed, and unlike in American movies, when you bring kids to bed, they say, "Good night, Daddy. I love you," and then they sleep. And the reality is completely different. So, <laughs> so how many kids have you got? I've got four kids, and uh, uh, but I have a son. He's not living here. He lives in another part of the country. And three daughters, and they're going to sleep right now. Oh my goodness, three daughters! I don't know how. I, <laughs> I have three boys, but I don't know how anybody with girls. It is it. it is heaven and hell. <laughs> um. You mentioned Doc, and right before we came on live, you were asking me about Doc. Uh, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Yes, he's 93, and he was telling me he's just now starting a new routine. He's starting the yeah. Tebow routine <laughs> at 93. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's, that's inspiration. Every, every time you, you look at the guy, it's yeah. something he, he just doesn't stop. But... Uh, so uh, I know we're kind of hopping around here at the beginning of this, but uh, okay, back to kind of how you became known really to uh, the masses, as it were, was through all the Nozil brass videos. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, from those early small stages, of course, well, you still perform on a lot of, of small and intimate stages. Uh, uh, at the moment. <laughs> Well, yes, especially uh, we, at the moment. We would be very happy to perform on any stage, but we can't. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we we are a band. We we learned how to entertain the crowd in pubs because Nautil was originally a pub, and mm-hmm. we used to play there once a month. And the the better we would entertain the people, the more drinks we would get. And this is basically the same business model. It has been the same model uh, till today. Just the drinks changed into dough, and we played uh, not in pubs anymore, but in, in on stages, bigger and bigger. Um, but we always try to do the same, like entertain uh, the crowd, put, put on a, a really good show, because mm-hmm. we didn't like the kind of stiff classical routine, you know, where wear a tuxedo and play a tune and then make a funny announcement and then play the next tune, and everything is like a little uptight. And, and we, we, we brought some... Great balls of fire. <laughs> well, you know, I love the variety. And of course, Empire Brass, they did what they did oh. extremely well. Canadian Brass does what they do extremely well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston Brass, right? All of these groups. But I think what you guys have done is exactly what you're talking about. You've taken this beyond the, the brass performance. This is truly entertainment and, and, oh, yeah. and, and yeah. without sacrificing any musicality at all. Yeah, that's the trick. Because if if you if you suck at playing, uh, the entertainment is not that interesting anymore. It has to sound good. That's the the thing. And uh, and we thought because up to this point there were only the the British kind of brass bands, 
and like the Philip Jones mm-hmm. thing was the highest point. And then there was Canadian brass. Uh, they developed a new thing with the quintet, and there were just so many quintets. Like like this, you said, the Empire Brass, the Boston Brass, or like here over here, it was like the Out of Brass Vienna and uh, groups like that. They they already had taken out the max of this type of performing, mm-hmm. and we thought of it in a very different uh, way. Like like I said, it was in pubs. We we never played a. We never went to play a job uh, just for the money. We always wanted to own the crowd. This was very, very important to us. So it didn't, yeah. it didn't matter if we played a, a wedding or a funeral or something else. We 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 just had to own some of the crowd. Well, and, uh, yeah. So playing in these pubs, right? Playing for people who are maybe not paying attention, right? But you see these videos of you guys sitting around maybe the the top of the the pub uh, on the ledge, uh, mm-hmm. but it's still entertainment. Even I mean, you're you're providing, uh, even though you're not the show, right? People are coming to eat and drink, mm-hmm. and but you're still entertaining in the background. Can you remember the very first time? Like, how old were you the first time you got to play in a pub and experience that yourself? With Noto, I was no you uh, just just you. Uh, it's hard hard. I was probably a baby because my my father was like the the uh, the conductor of the local umpa band, and he he like he went to the pub like three times a day, and he he took me with him all the time. So I more or less grew up in pubs. I just I just remember always looking up to my dad at the bar and said. Uh, are we going to go home soon? He said, yes, I'll just drink up. And we had that conversation for hours every day, I guess. And so he, he was at that one pub. He, he built a stage there where uh, he he performed in the during the summer months, like every, every Sunday with his brass band. And I even have photos when I'm conducting this brass band when I'm like a, a baby, a, a toddler just standing up for the first time. Uh, and I don't really remember when I played for the first time, but I've, I've been around in around pubs all my life. Mm-hmm. I, I think this this pandemic is like the longest period of time I, I haven't been to a pub. Well, let's hope that ends soon. Yes. Yeah, it, it's yeah. not it's not that bad. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm it's it. I can see it from the healthy side. It it yeah. helps. <laughs> Well, so you're doing some really cool things, though, uh, to, well, not just pass the time, but to stay creative and stay uh, on your instrument. And your Gonch at Home series mm-hmm. has been terrific. I've tuned in uh, live, and then I've tuned in after the fact to those. And uh, is relaxed, is it fun to put that on? I mean, I know it's a different type of performance, a different type of showcase. Is that still is fun, fun to do? It, it is fun to put it on. It was fun in the beginning, uh, very much fun. But always when it ended, uh, you just play in your room for like cameras and then there's nothing. There's no response. And after it ended, I always fell into a deep hole and I was kind of depressive. So uh, I had to learn to deal with that. And... Most of the shows were really airing live. Uh, we only recorded, we pre-recorded three um, for different reasons. We are going to record one two days from now. 
because now with the pandemic, it's not possible to to play live at the same time with the same musicians from different countries. It gets it's getting complicated. Uh, but we we only there was only one one thing we pre-recorded, and one of the guys who played with me was not happy with a tune, so we had to re-record one tune uh, after the show, and then we uh, cut it in because mm -hmm. he liked the version more and this is the only thing that i was really not happy with because it was not organic it didn't it didn't yeah. feel real and it wasn't a real thing and interestingly uh people love to be there tune in live and be there for the live experience this is what it makes special of course you can always re-watch it and, and watch it afterwards but uh it, it it's interesting to see if people pay something they do it because they're watching it live so mm -hmm. because it's it's about that experience some it together with other people this is the terrible thing that's missing so much right now i was very lucky to to play live for audiences during the summer and i remember like the first two three times i played for an audience last year the audience was always uh standing up in the end of the sh at the end of the show t tearing up this is not like in america in the states people stand up all the time because it's it's part of their tradition mm -hmm. to react like that for for a crowd for for a concert but here it's it's that people are more reserved and they usually don't stand up in the end so easily but you could you could feel that they were like uh dried out sponges sucking up all the the music and and it, they were really touched, and so were we on stage. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the next time I can play for an audience because this time it's been much longer than, than last year. Mm -hmm. I, I've had the good fortune to see you live twice here. In, well, actually three times, uh, twice with Mnozeal. Uh My wife and I drove eight hours uh, one way to see you guys in uh, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Ah, Alabama. It's when uh, you were doing uh, Yes, Yes, Yes. I think it was the beginning of that tour. Okay. And then uh, I saw the end of that tour in Pennsylvania, Bucknell University. I, I'm, I don't okay. know if you remember that, but uh, almost the, a lot of the same music. And then, of course, the third time I saw you was when you and I met in person at the ITG conference. Yeah, that's uh, like four years ago, I think. Yeah, 20, 2017. Yes, uh, which was very nice to see you in a solo uh, mm -hmm. situation, and yeah, that was fun. It was a fun show. Well, I remember you coming out at at that uh, that concert, and I think you played the first piece, and then you had this like pretend checklist. Okay, it's like okay, I know I have to play a double high C. I have to do this right because you're playing for a bunch of trumpet players, right? They were expecting you to do. A certain yeah, I think I, I did. I fooled around in the beginning, and I played like one double IC. I mean, I can't really play double ICs. I'm just screeching <laughs> around, and I hit one, and then I said in the first announcement, "This, this, by the way, this was for all the trumpet players here, for all the geeks." Right. And now, and now we're starting the show. It was, yeah. it was fun. Well, that was it was terrific, and I remember the jazz trio that you had come out to play with you, and then of course Trent Austin came and joined you. Yeah, uh, and uh, what a what a what a great player! What a great person oh, he, he is. He's a he's a monster musician, and uh, I know him of course through these uh, conferences because I've been there now 
three or four times. Yeah. I don't really remember, but he's, he plays every night and he does all the sessions mm -hmm. and he has to deal with all the players. <laughs> <laughs> I, re I remember, I remember what, but uh, who I really admire are the, the, the trios, you know, the, the rhythm sections, mm -hmm. because they have to play with, with trumpet players for one week, every night, and all of them want to play high and fast. This is unbelievable. <laughs> and I remember uh, at uh, a jam session in Banff in 2008, mm -hmm. I came to, after our show, after the Nautilus show, I went to the basement and the jazz trio was playing, and there were like uh, a line of trumpet players playing on Cherokee, and it was like... Everybody went completely berserk as fast as possible. So I waited till I was, uh, it was uh, my time to jump in. And I went to the rhythm section. I said, let's take it four times slower. I, I went to everybody. And we did like the halftime of the halftime of the halftime. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everybody was like, oh, yeah. So <laughs> it was fantastic. Uh, maybe the theme of a new ITG would be uh, a week dedicated just to Chet Baker, right? Oh, Where everything yeah. is nice and a little more everybody, mellow. Everybody has to play without teeth. Yeah, well, well yeah, we can <laughs> skip that part. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but being able to see you perform live is great. And, of course, you see the energy. Um, I get it. You know, when you're performing and you see the the audience, you can feel that, right? You're talking about the your performance just this last summer and the way uh, the energy, the vibe gets going. And but I, I'm interested in what you said about the way American audiences react versus European audiences, because in my mind, it's it's like the the Europeans are so rich in history with this. It seems like the that should be the natural reaction is you appreciate it so much more. It's in your DNA, uh, you know, that, that much further back. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's different in every country here. So every, the, there are different grades of enthusiasm and, but there are also different grades of arrogance. So here in the German speaking countries, there's basically people are more arrogant, I think, because, because we have the big, rich history. We have oh. most, Mozart and Haydn and Bach and, and uh, Wagner and Bruckner and Brahms and they're all from here and so we are uh, kind of nose in the air and, and oh what are they playing those brass players uh, I don't know and uh, very reserved sometimes uh, and in the states I feel the crowd is much more welcoming but but on the other hand if I get the audience here to stand up in the end. I know I did really great work in the States. People stand up in the beginning when you go in, you know, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they're, they're like already enthusiastic, enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I, I like both. Uh, the only thing I don't like is when people don't care when, when people sit in a concert and like in classical, this is what I didn't like in classical music because uh, you, you work, really hard to be able to play the whatever part you're playing in a symphony or whatever and then you do it and you you have a great day and you make a great performance and in the end people are like <laughs> yeah yeah and this this is something i didn't i didn't like in in the classical uh world did you ever see the movie uh, amadeus as maybe oh, yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah. 
what I loved about that, whether it's historically accurate or not, is during one of the operas, like the the audience is singing along. Mm -hmm. It's not just reserved for the people on stage, right? But it was like a real community, city, town event. People showed yeah, up like, and they were they were drawn in. The magic, the magic flute. Yeah, right? when, yeah. When you sing for the people and not for the aristocrats. And you know, and to think uh, applauding any time that they appreciated what they heard, not just at the end of the last movement, right? Yeah, I and, wish it was like that. I don't know if it was like that, but mm -hmm. I'm sure it, it was a much more of a, a, a thing of the people. It used to be because I, I know even in back in the in the days of Johann Strauss, they had many big wooden halls for like thousands of people where people would go and, and celebrate the, 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 the music of the day, which was, of course, Strauss, who was a big fan of Richard, Richard Wagner, and he used to bring this music to the people, and it was celebrated. But all those uh, wooden halls, they, like, at one point burned down. Mm. And, and as, as soon as, like, radio came around, I think that tradition was uh, on, a, on a descent. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I remember uh, being in Germany. I, I lived there from seventy to seventy-four. Okay, uh, where my, my dad was in the in the Air Force, but we were stationed near Stuttgart. Okay, and my first musical experience was uh, Hansel and Gretel, mm -hmm. Humperdinck, in uh, mm -hmm. Berlin Opera House. I think in seventy-two, seventy-three. Very nice. Um, but that's that's there, even all these mm -hmm. these many years ago. But I, what I remember is the grandeur of the hall. The it, it's uh, and, and I don't know if bohemian is the right word for that, you know. But mm -hmm. it's just uh, I remember taking Volksmarches, going through the Black Forest, going to Ludwigsburg. I don't know if if I know Ludwigsburg very well. Uh, the castle and the and the grounds behind it yeah. with the the oh the do you know the speedos. do you know the movie Barry Lyndon? No, but Stanley Kubrick. No, a fantastic movie. But the the, the castle of Ludwigsburg is in that movie. Mm -hmm. It has it has a little role. However, but well, but what I'm, anyway. what I'm getting at, well, you know, but there's something about Germany. I want to go back. I, I worked on a cruise ship, and so we were in Kiel in the in the off the Baltic, and in Hamburg. But every time I stepped foot into Germany, I felt felt kind of like I was home. You know, there's, ah, there's something that draws me there. So, uh, you know, the the culture, the music, whatever it is, I, I hope to get back there uh, someday and not by myself. I'd love to be able to take my family and, mm. uh, and experience that, that. Germany is a fantastic uh, country, very hitch, uh, rich, rich history, also <laughs> the, the most ugly history. But mm -hmm. it's a, a beautiful country. You have all kinds of um, nature looks uh, all different kinds uh, mm -hmm. of of nature, and and all those great halls and great orchestras everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I hope I hope it will stay that way, but I'm I'm doubting that. Yeah. We'll see how how the pandemic goes. Yeah. Uh, were you born and raised in Austria? Yes. And that's where you're you're living right now. Uh, yeah, I've I've always lived in Austria. Actually, I, I'm only f one time I I thought about moving to Berlin, and the other time I thought about moving to New York. 
both times were because of uh, breaking ups with <laughs> ex-girlfriends <laughs> or ex uh, but uh, I'm I'm pretty happy I stay so mm -hmm. well and you're teaching now at uh, tell me about this it's called the jam lab yes yes I'm teaching at the jam lab but I just started like two years ago and I don't have many students I had like four students and one is finished and one doesn't play at the moment and at the moment teaching is is no fun of course so <laughs> i have one i have one guy from england i actually taught him two days ago mm -hmm. eye to eye which is great because mm -hmm. i have to be in the same room with a brass instrument i have to right. hear the sound i have to work with the guy i cannot you can you can't play me stuff on zoom that's neat but uh, not much more mm -hmm. and i have a guy in sweden who i'm just zooming with or skyping with Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to give him hints what to what to listen to, what to transcribe. But the, the guy from England is—it's is, funny because he's he he lives in his little flat here, which is in the same house as the university. Mm -hmm. He went home, then he had to go into quarantine for two weeks. Then he was with his folks, and he came back, had to go to into quarantine for two mm -hmm. weeks. It is—it's terrible. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm happy that we actually could meet and, and play. Well, yeah, I you know I teach as well, and I I started going back in person this past week uh, yeah. to the university to teach because uh, yeah, it just this just doesn't work. This is okay no. for interviews, but not for yeah. <laughs> not for that. Um, no, it, it might be okay if you play the keyboard or or a guitar. I don't know, but but for a, a wind instrument. You have to fill up the room with sound, and you have to be there. This, this is no way. But people, I think students. As a, first of all, I really like uh, teaching because I learn a lot for myself as well. <laughs> I, I did not expect that to be that interesting. Um, well, but yeah, was I mean, that the first time you had taught? Uh, certainly, you, you've had students no, before I, this. No, not really. I, I only, I only, I, I, I always thought of teaching as something I might never do, because mm -hmm. I, I, when I was a student, I, I helped out some other uh, students, and took their teaching job for like uh, as a substitute for like ten days, two weeks, mm -hmm. and then I had to teach all those kids on the countryside who had to go to the music school uh, no matter if they wanted or not their their parents decided they had to go so that was a, a very depressing terrible kind of work which i never wanted to come back to <laughs> but actually working with people who want to do something is much more interesting so uh, i kind of enjoy it and i had i had a student from china who just finished last year and he he went back and he already has a job there and i'm very I'm very proud of that one because uh, I, I didn't make a, a, a great player out of him, but I got him to play out of his uh, guts. You know, I made him I made him play what he what he feels in the moment, and and he he really made that step. That was very uh, moving to see that he could do that. You know. Uh, one of the comments here uh, is from a friend of mine, colleague, and, and a former student, David Wolf, who you actually met at the the Hershey ITG. Oh, but hi, he David. says, he says, what tunes or artists would you recommend for starting transcribing? And I guess this goes along with you know when a student comes to you, 
right? What is this where you start is to have them immediately start doing this? Uh, now, now it is what we do because I, I mean, it depends on what the students want to learn, what they want to do. Yeah? If, if a, a guy wants to just play the trumpet better and is not interested in playing jazz, I don't let him transcribe solos so much. Uh, but however, if a, a guy is interested in playing jazz, it's always like pick, uh, pick the ones that are easy to follow more or less like uh, Clifford Brown or Clark Terry or, or Jet Baker, something that is clear. Uh, and yeah, and, and then just go with, with whatever you find. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but do it. That's, it's very important to, to, to look beyond. Is this something you had done as you were growing up? Did you start transcribing at some point? Uh, just a little. But the, 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 I did a, a few transcriptions, but those helped me a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. It's a great experience. Uh, but I have, I have a, there's one solo by Clark Terry I, I recommend to everybody. It's, it's long and it's a lot of notes, but they're all very, very deep. So, uh, and he's just one of the greatest mm -hmm. of all time, one of the greatest players. And it swings unbelievably hard and uh it's fun to listen to and and it's just unbelievable actually actually i, I want them the, the solo is so epic that i want people to know about it and i want them to hear it so i have them i have them work on it you know i hear when you play jazz solos i hear those influences i hear you change your sound i hear you more of a clark terry and then there are times where i hear you more uh um like who would be a great, you know, maybe not Arturo, maybe not quite that bright and, and fast, but uh, these are people you certainly listen to. Uh, Clifford Brown, you mentioned. Uh, the, everything I listen to is like in there. It, it, it went through there and it left something. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at, myself, I'm like a sponge. I soak up stuff and I keep what I like and I forget what I don't like. And I try mm -hmm. to put everything into my, into my, Mm -hmm. so, and when, whenever I like something, when I, when I think of something as the ideal sound, then I come back when I'm playing and I want to sound like that. Yeah? When I go in, a, in some direction, I mean, let's be honest, if you go up, you want to sound like Maynard, you know, that's the thing. Well, then, it, it, this, is, this is one of the hardest things, I think, to get a student to understand is that they have to listen. And, oh, and, you know, if, oh, if they're waiting until they're 18 or 19 years old, you know, and they get to university and that's when they start to listen, it's, it's not that it's too late, mm -hmm. but they're really far behind. Right. But, you know, and, and I remember growing up listening to uh, Hank Williams, Jr. and Marty Robbins, these are country and, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, my parents had the Boston Pops. Uh, so I was getting all kinds of uh, mm -hmm. Neil Diamond, Neil Sedak. I mean, you know, a, a wide range of. Oh, of yeah. Things. Very important. Right. Listen, 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 listen. Go to concerts, go to concerts and listen again and play. Play with other guys, form a band, meet regularly and play and listen and go back. Eat, sleep, practice, play, listen again. You know, that's it's, you know, I started uh, pulling the, the, uh, cassette tapes out of my brother's car with like, and there was like on one side, there was 
uh, Blood, Sweat and Tears Live with a tuba solo. And on the other side, there was like an El Jaro uh, album. And on the next cassette, there was like Chuck Mangione, like Life at the Hollywood Bowl. And, and I listened those cassettes till they were dead, you know. <laughs> And our generation, we still know about cassettes. Yeah, what, yeah. what what happened to cassettes was incredible. <laughs> How many times I tried to stick them back together and, and right. still listen. And then it changed to CDs and, and I had thousands of CDs. And now everything is in little machines, but nobody listens so much anymore. So, But I'm happy. My, my son, who turns 15, like in a week, he he's into music so much he's listening to everything mm-hmm. but of course in his generation he's, he's now into jacob collier and, and stuff like that which is fine but uh he's, he's he's getting all the the old important stuff too well you know even the variety in like a nozzle show i'm remembering back you did a shostakovich string quartet uh mm-hmm. piece and then uh uh oh Girls, uh, some pop tune I can't remember. Bum 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 ba dum bum 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 ba da ba. That's actually a German tune. It was just a uh, Harold Faltermeyer who who wrote the score for a Beverly Hills Cop. That was no, Beverly, yeah, XLF. XLF. Yeah. But yeah. you know, but to have those in the same show, it's like you you. There's so much variety. It's not like you just come out and play classical. You just come out and play swing or right. Yeah, it's, in, it, in, in Nottil, it was always the same. Everybody in the band brings something he's really into and uh, brings it to the band and we play it. And the main the main three composers, of course, is like uh, Leonard, that's the Lonely Boy guy. Uh, Gerhard is another trombone player. And myself, we, we bring all our influences in. And so we have a great variety of, of music. Because Leonard, for example, he's he studied jazz trombone, but he... But he specialized into like old music. He played a lot of baroque trombone with with Nicolas Hanoncourt in his uh, old music ensemble stuff like that. I played most jazz and and folk like umpa music. Uh, and uh, but I'm interested in pretty everything. Uh, but I brought more the jazz stuff to the band. And Gerhard, for example, he's a, he has a big crush on Russian music. He's he's the Shostakovich guy. Uh, yeah so and we always exp- we always find new stuff like for the for the new show that actually never premiered because right. the pandemic came in between uh we we had a, a tune uh by Lutoslavsky like Lutoslavsky wrote uh variations uh over the, the the Paganini variations he did he yeah. did a, a arrangement of that which is crazy but we recorded it like uh Two months ago or something and might be might come out in one or other the other form i don't know but it's always what i wanted to say is that music is always something some new streams come in always something new joins the the bandwagon and so we're getting wider and wider in, in the in well the, but, but not just yeah. the music but the theatrics that go along with it i mean uh, and the makeup Right. I mean, this, oh, yeah. especially this past, uh, this past show that you had done, that was, was yeah, that was really involved uh, with the full makeup and the, and the costuming. Uh, did you consider that? I, I thought it was successful. Did you guys consider that a success? Uh, everything is a success at, at the time. 
man, everything is a failure at another time. I, um, I think we had we had we had a peak um, when we did magic moments, and then Blofeld. These two shows are like the peak uh, in our history, in the band history, because we then we really hit everything full, and then we we just played sold out shows everywhere, and we had like a real good run, and then it it normalized a little, I would say. And since then, um, I think every show was great. Some some shows greater, some some shows less. We we did a show about Richard Wagner, which was we we only played it like thirty times or something. We'd never played anything uh, uh, so 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 little. Uh, thirty times. I think there are a lot of groups that would love to be able to play at least yeah, but thirty. Yeah, but we but we had shows we played right. it. Five hundred times. So uh, it was not successful, but it was a very, very interesting experience, and it was a great show. It just was not for everybody because it was really out there. So um, everything is. We, we, I always love whatever we are doing at the moment very much, and at one point. When we used to make DVDs, it was always the tipping point. We did the DVD recording, and then it declined, and it wasn't that interesting anymore. And then it started to uh, play it again. Uh, we should work on something new. Um, yeah, ups and downs. I have to get my I have to get my cable, otherwise, okay, my, my battery is going to be. But I'm I'm staying with you. I'm just uh, taking you on a walk. Well, that's okay. Uh, we can get the grand tour. So I'm thinking back, you mentioned uh, getting the, the cassette tapes out of your brother's car. You're, you're referring to Hans? Yes, of course. Um, he's, he's not a bad trumpet player himself, is he? No, <laughs> I've heard worse. <laughs> I think uh, one of the most enjoyable uh, things to watch was when the two of you, I, I don't know if that was the very first Gonch at home you no, had no, done. No, 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 no. But was that, number eight. What a treat. And even if, if there hadn't been captions, uh, just to watch the two of you go back and forth and then uh, in conversation, but then to play, mm. and it's just, uh, that was remarkable. So you know, I really appreciate you guys sharing that. But um, what's it like growing up with uh, a trumpet player like that? He's older than you, yes? Yeah, he's uh, 23 years older than me. So. Uh, was he around then while while you were was he a big influence on you as a musician oh he he was and always will be my biggest influence of course because uh he was already uh having the job in the vienna philharmonic when i was six or seven so uh, and before that he was in two other orchestras so and when he came by, he practiced a little, and I always heard that ideal sound since since I was a baby. So this is the this is the my my road was laid out right there, and everybody told me I'm going to make the same. So of course I had to fail and find my own ways. But it's interesting you say that. How did how did you fail? Because I'm no, every, everybody expected of me to become like him, the, the next uh, Vienna Philharmonic trumpet player, and uh, oh. and of course then I came, uh, being 23 years younger, 
I came to Vienna with when I was 15, and he was like uh, on the peak uh, of his playing. He was just becoming, he was just reaching the peak of his playing, and and everybody called me the little brother of Ganj. I was there was no Thomas Ganj. It was always the little brother of Ganj, and of course this was uh, uh, like a, a planned out uh, plot to make me. Uh, destroy everything, all, all the hopes of everybody around, and that's, that of course happened. And uh, but for me, that was that was uh, great. It was the best thing that happened to me. That was my failure because I had to pick myself up and find uh, my own road, my own path. And as soon as I left classical music, as a, the, first of all, I studied three years with the first teacher uh, until. A, a point where I couldn't play the trumpet anymore. Everything was destroyed. So I really had physical problems with it. Uh, and then I studied three years with another teacher where I picked myself out of this mess. Uh, and I learned how to play, how to deal, how to practice. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this road in the classical realm, there was a, an audition. And I went to this audition. And at that audition, I didn't win anything, but I... I made it into the second round, and I knew for myself, okay, I know how this works. I know how I have to live, and uh, I know what I have to do to make this possible. And I was 21 at the time, and I said, and now I'm going to try out what, I, what I'm really interested in. And then I went to jam sessions, stuff like that. And in, immediately, I, I never wanted to go back. I, I became Thomas Gunch within a few months. Everybody... It was another world, and I was I was happy, and uh, from then on everything was better. But of course, I'm I am I'm somebody I'm interested in every kind of music, and I regret not being able to sit in an orchestra from time to time because I just love the experience and the sound, and I really would love to sit down in a in the opera and and play from time to time just like a a third trumpet on, on, on anything because I love music, you know, but uh, you can't have everything. It's fine. <laughs> well, the, yeah. So two different roads, of course, but two different voices, right? Hans has got that classical orchestral approach you've got now. Uh, well, it, here's, here's what I'm getting at is you, we all blow through the little end, right? And the sound comes out the, the big end of the trumpet, mm -hmm. but really though, the difference is here, right? I mean, you're still, playing the trumpet uh, uh, technically the right way, right? But it's you just had to find your own voice to get through, to put through uh, that trumpet. Yes, it most, I, I would say that once you, you mastered the, the basics and once, of course, uh, one thing is clear, you have to know your shit, you have to, you have to practice really hard for for a certain amount of time to get it out of your brain into your fingers and to to get everything moving without thinking about it if you have to think about everything you won't be able to uh tell many stories you know but once you master that it's um, most of it is in the head i i, I like the variety of of situations with yourself and you play with big bands you play of course with uh, with nozeal uh you do solos 
Uh, I think you, Leonard, and uh, Willie have a trio. No, yeah. it's, it's Albert. Al Albert Vida, he, he subbed. He stopped for Willie on the Yes 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 tour on the second one because right. Willie took took a uh, uh, took a bachelorette or how do you call it a, a bachelor year uh, yeah. where he, he didn't play so we had him as a sub and in the end of every show we we played a trio encore so the others could go out and have a drink and we would play a different tune on every tour so after the one and a half years that Albert was with us, we had like enough tunes for for at least half a good show. So we decided to stay together. And uh, yeah, it's the trio is great fun because it is it is really uh, fantastic chamber music. I, I like I see it as a chamber music trio, which can go in really every direction. But it's not nozzle style. We we don't do shows. We sit down and we play whatever whatever we want to play. But the variety of music is very interesting. What's it like working with uh, Leonard? You've you've known him for a very long time. Is is oh, it just oh, yeah. is the relationship kind of like? Uh, um, brothers or i don't want to say husband and wife you know but i mean it's it's you know yeah, each other it is, right? it is it is a family thing it is like a yeah. marriage a long marriage but the, the whole nautil is a long marriage but leonard is special because we we had all kinds of ups and downs uh, actually uh i did we didn't talk to each other for one or two years uh, like 20 more than 20 years ago we had like I, I was I, I wasn't a very nice person then, and and he uh, he's much nicer today as well. So, however, we had we had all kinds of ups and downs, and it is a very very deep uh, and long friendship. And I'm he's somebody you can just count on. This is, and he he's a he's he's very his knowledge is amazing. He's he's always willing to learn, and whenever I don't know anything, I ask him because that's a challenge for him. <laughs> and sometimes, if he doesn't know something, it makes me laugh inside because <laughs> because he's like always he has to know everything, he has to understand everything, and he's he's pretty much self-taught, but he he's a man of very good taste. Um, he just likes to be sometimes he, he likes to have it hard he, he he's like very catholic in his mm. uh, in, the, in the way he he works he's he, sometimes you really have to beat he has to beat himself up uh and work really hard he's always working 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 and whenever we were on tour he, he was always he was never relaxing he was always sitting at the computer composing arranging or uh, yeah always uh, Wilfried is the same, by the way. He's, he's, he's not he's, he's not composing all the time, but he's also a, a workaholic like that. So whenever we're on a train ride for like seven hours, you all the time you hear the computers going, and they're always into work. And and I'm just trying to get sober from the last night or something. You know how. How can you live like that? I don't understand it. I want to be alone. I want to be in my room. I want to just sleep. And as soon as we arrive at the place, they are going to out to see the cities, the, the historic city center. They're going to see the churches and and the abbeys and whatever. So I'm actually I'm very lazy. 
I'm I'm just a very busy, lazy person. That's that's what I am. Uh, I, I, I I take I I'm the one who takes the, the playing the most serious. I'm 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 really. I think I'm I'm the I'm the guy who practices the most in the band. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because you know to to have you and Robert next to each other, you are so outgoing and Robert is so stoic. Ah, he's not that but, stoic. But I think just his English is not that well. That's but all. when he plays, it's like there's no doubt. I mean, all of it. I mean, top to bottom, every one of you are absolutely phenomenal musicians. It's just, but that personality, right? And I thought when mm. I talked to him, I, I asked, is this who you are in, in real life? Or is this the kind of person you play on stage? He goes, no, that's me. You know, that's, mm. which I find that fascinating. I, Pretty much all of us are like uh, as we are on stage. That's I think that authenticity is is a very very important thing in music or comedy or any any actually in any profession. Mm -hmm. I think as long as you're telling the truth, it's fine because mm -hmm. otherwise you don't have much to say, you know. Mm -hmm. And everybody recognizes if if you just learn something, so you have to put some feelings into it and for that best is to be just honest and robert i'm i only practice that much that i can't compete with him because if he if he would do the amount of practicing that i have done over the last 20 years he, he would be unstoppable all the time he's just too lazy that's well, my, that's my I asked That's him luck for me i said if you he said you know i haven't played this this was a few months ago I said, you haven't played. How long would it take you to get back in shape to do a show? He, oh, three or four days. And, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe more. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, uh, it, 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 I don't believe him. Yeah. I think he takes, he, he, he takes more than three or four days now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but i know when when every year we used to meet again in fall after a long break we always used to have like a six week summer break or eight weeks because we did a really a lot of playing we did a lot of shows and uh it was always that you know the you play the most from april to july and then the last few weeks it's really bad and you ah shit again ah, i don't i can't take it anymore all the traveling and all the and do the show again, and I can't see the guys anymore. Ah, and then you come back after after a long break, and actually you always think, man, this is the greatest job on earth. So, uh, but when you come back, the first show is always great because everybody's relaxed, and from the second show you can see who did how much preparation. <laughs> <laughs> because when you try to run a marathon without doing the training before, uh, you are you are fucked the second time around. Right. Oh. Right. Have, have you run a marathon? No. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, how about we plan that uh, on the other side of the pandemic? Uh, I'll come over there uh, and we'll run. A marathon is quite scary. I would. Uh, the, the, I did a lot of jogging, and I just restarted two months ago, and it was really, really, really hard because I did. That was a long time. I did no no running at all, but. Um, I'm now back to run like uh, 10 kilometers, sometimes 12, 13. So I'm, I'm in, a, in a longer distance now, which is like, okay. I'm, maybe I'll make 
10 miles soon, but more than that is really hard. And back when I was really in good shape and I had like, a, I'm sure I had like 60 pounds less or something. But then I, I the, the longest I ever ran was like maybe 20 miles. Wow. But uh, a marathon was still out of out of sight. Uh, I did a marathon uh, eleven years ago, oh, and wow. uh, and I've I've got somebody challenging me to do another one at the end of this year. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I just challenge myself not to be so fat anymore. No. <laughs> hey, I can do it. Anybody can do it. You know. Mm. So um, now I just need to challenge myself to practice as much as you do. I think that would that would be good. Yeah, if if practicing the trumpet would make me lose weight, I'll be skinny, man. <laughs> I'll be one skinny guy. Um, well, look at Alan Vizzuti, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, your wife a musician? No, she's an actress, but she her, she plays the uh, violin and the violin because her father was a great uh, Viennese music uh, violin player. And she has an ear and a heart for the music, but her main thing is is acting. Did you and meet? Actually, actually, her main thing is 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 uh, kids stuff because we just have too many. <laughs> did you meet uh, at a gig, or did you go to actually, see something she was performing in? Uh, no, uh, actually, we've known each other for a pretty long time just by being at the same places. And she used to be at the Nautil. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was 16 and she was 15, something like that. So uh, we've known each other for, for a while, but uh, I, I never, I, it never came to my thoughts that we would make a pair that just happened like 12 years ago. And yeah, yeah. there you go. Well, my wife is a violinist as well. I think there's something about trumpet and violin that uh, naturally attract. <laughs> I, no, I think... Uh, uh, girls are naturally attracted to trumpets. That's, that's... Uh, <laughs> um, oh, that just popped into my head. Of course, uh, I know Mark Gould is a, a friend of, friend of yours. Uh, I just got his his book, uh, Orchestra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. It's it's a fun read. Uh, I guess. But I guess so. Have you seen it? Uh, it? It's just parts of it. He never sent okay. me a copy because he's so cheap. He should really send me. <laughs> Mark, if you're seeing this, send me a copy of your book, please. I'll I'll accept a digital copy. I can I can read it on my phone. <laughs> in German or uh, or English? No, no, uh, only only in English or Yiddish. Maybe maybe <laughs> we can meet halfway. So you've got you've got colleagues all over the world. Do you get invited? I know you get invited to play in different places. Do you get invited to teach? Uh, do master classes anywhere? Uh, it goes hand in hand uh, most of the time. I, but I never was invited just to teach. It was always like I was invited to play and do a master class mm -hmm. or do a master class and play. So it's always a double feature. Uh, the only real job I had, I was I was invited four years ago, but that was when I hung out with Carol Don Reinhardt. I was invited to sit as a member of the jury at the trumpet competition. That was the only time I didn't really have to play. And mm -hmm. that was actually fun because we spent nine days in Rome 
and I had to work only every second day. And the rest of the time, we just went out and looked at the greatest city, you know. Mm-hmm. So, please, if, if there's a competition in Rome again, please invite me. Well, uh, you know, I had uh, been talking to your management. Uh, was it Vienna Arts Management? Oh, I think? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to get uh, Nozel over here, but he was saying uh, um, uh, he was trying to get the trio. So, yeah, but but Nozel has a different management. Uh, well, um, when things uh, get back to normal or whatever new normal is, uh, one of the things I want to do is whatever it takes to get you over here. Uh, I yeah. would love to have you as a guest. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, we'll do that. But uh, even Nozil has, has. We worked in the states with Opus Three, and they they are. I think they are not. They don't exist anymore as a result mm-hmm. of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. they were, but somebody bought them. And, but I, I have no, no eyes into the future, no idea. Uh, I don't know how, how things will go for traveling anyway. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, at, at least there's, there's going to be another year until we can travel as, like we used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the comments here, uh, Ed Rowell, uh, asking what does nozzle mean and uh, just quickly uh, nozzle means uh, the fruitful but like in, in like if you have many kids like like that how do you call that what's the verb uh, uh, I don't know uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm not the person to ask for that if you've got too many I think uh, in, in debt is the word you're in? No, 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 not like that. Just, uh, just uh, fruitful. Uh, okay. But of course, he was the he was the owner of the pub. That was really, which is how the the group got its name. Yes. No, because we always played at the pub, and people would ask us out of of the pub to play somewhere else. And when we arrived there, they would ask, uh, "What's your name, by the way?" So. I said at the first gig outside of the pub. I said uh, nozzle brass. Yeah, that's it. That's how the name came along. And uh, it, Brent, Brenda Clark uh, just chimed in. She says prolific. Is that the word you were looking for? Prolific. Maybe I have to. I have, uh, to, I have uh, to. Give it a watch. Uh, so now all kinds of comments are coming in. By the way, okay. Phil, Phil right, Snedeker. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the right one in just a second. By the way, um, Phil Snedeker is on. Uh, do you know Phil? I don't know. Uh, he a uh, trumpet player at uh, Hart School and uh, leads the Washington Brass. Oh, uh, hello, Phil. However, yeah. uh, however, my Google Translator says fruitful. Uh, so, well, perfect. There, we all learned something well, today. I got the right word. Yeah, that, but I don't think that's how you should market yourselves over here. Yeah, I would. I would say <laughs> I would keep it Minoza. Pro, you said prolific. Okay, what's yeah. prolific? Ah no 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 no! It's not prolific. Well, maybe take, take fruitful. It's fine. Fruitful. Let's go with fruitful. fruitful. <laughs> um, well, it, I know you're you're staying busy. You're doing the gotch at home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Karen. Hello, Karen. Thank you. Fruitful is fruitful true. Is true. Thank you, Karen. Hi, Karen. I hope you're fine. I hope you had a great birthday celebration. And you this got is somebody you know. Oh, yes. I know Karen. Karen uh, is a girl 
or a lady who follows us to every single gig we did in the States, and not only in the States, but also in Europe. She, she always came over. She saved all her money to go to Europe, and she went to every single show that was going on everywhere. So she is by far the the most uh, passionate fan out there. Hello, Karen. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, not quite a groupie, though, right? I mean, she you wouldn't classify her as a... Uh, she, 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 she could be a groupie, but it's the yeah. age demographic is, is, a. ah, gotcha. Gotcha. We, we came around a little too late, probably to be in the hot groupie phase. Mm -hmm. but... <laughs> so tell me, how long's the beard going to stay? Yeah. Well, my, my plan is to let it, let it grow, let it grow, uh, uh as long as this shit show is going down because <laughs> my theory was i will i will keep it growing until people can fill up a hall again and they don't have to wear masks mm. so i think three times that so i i had a chart uh, i did it for one of my shows i did a chart where there was karl marx and charles darwin johannes brahms <laughs> and like bearded, bearded people, and they're trying which which one am I going to reach soon? And I mean, Marx, I had him pretty fast, and now I'm going for. Uh, I mean, the the real goal is to reach Albus Dumbledore for my kids. They would really appreciate that. My wife, not so much. Well, I think there was a. a you were teasing yesterday. There was a picture of you. It looked like you were getting ready to get it uh, to get it trimmed. I thought it was going to come off. I thought I was going to see a clean-shaven. No, we have a new. We have. There's a new law in in place tomorrow here, where you have to. You're only allowed to wear a certain kind of uh, uh, mask type, but you have to wear it everywhere. So these masks are not allowed anymore. Hmm. So you have to wear something called an FFP2 mask, which is the most safe mask to protect others, and. Uh, but if you have, there was like a, a scientist on television explaining that if you wear a beard, the mask does not work properly. So yeah. they invited me uh, uh, for a TV thing where I would discuss it with a scientist. And I, I don't shave in my beard. They <laughs> took they took everything from me. They won't get my beard. Good. Uh, are, are people taking it uh, more seriously seriously there than? Well, I don't know what your perspective is on the states and how we're taking it here, but I don't think we're as serious. Uh, I don't know. You're, you're so serious. You went to the capital. <laughs> no, uh, so, I, I didn't. I know, I know, I know. But the guy with the, the Jamiroquai guy was wow. fantastic. We we saw we we it that was pretty scary. Yeah. However, I don't know what what scares. The only thing that scares me actually is how. You know, you, you always had uh, crazy people uh, commenting on social media. You always had that through every, every election, whatever, every process. You've got like crazies or, or people who get very angry and have issues. But they always could go out and go to a bar or to a show or talk to people, hang out, touch people, get a hug. Uh, and now they're all sitting at home 
getting crazy shouting at their laptops and this this makes me really as I'm, I'm, I don't have the best feelings at the moment mm -hmm. because um, and it's it seems that many things it's 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 not allowed to talk about certain things anymore you're not allowed to to think about things uh, it's it's a really a tough time I because yeah, I was, I was, I was like defriended de and and blocked by people I really look up to for like nothing, and just because the atmosphere is so heated up with with fear and it's it's hard to explain because of course I I don't want to get this disease I don't want to give it to anybody but on the other hand we have to deal with it somehow so you have to talk about it but some people consider talking about it. They, they, you talk about something and they call you a Nazi, for example. This is crazy what, what social media is doing. So, yeah. But on the other hand, you have people, and also on, on Facebook, I know some trumpet players on Facebook, which I won't mention names, but all, all they do is all day posting like political stuff all the time. And there are no, there is no room for facts anymore and for thought. It's it's just and what what bugs me the most is because I I love music and I love humor, I love to have a good joke and and a good laugh, and now you have to you have to write you have you have to put an emoji in to make people know that this was ironic, <laughs> and this is this is sorry to say but this is fucked up, really. And and I'm and people are losing it completely because they don't meet and don't talk to each other. They just read what other people write and they feel what they want to feel about it. They don't ask themselves how this was meant. They don't hear as a, a, a melody of, of speech. They don't see gestures. They don't look into eyes and they don't have to confront themselves with somebody. So they 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 do the craziest shit there's actually there's one video which i really like it describes social media so great you see two uh bunches uh, two uh, there's a bunch of dogs on one side and a bunch of dogs on the other side of like an automatic uh fence mm -hmm. and they're barking at each other really really hard and then the lamp goes off and the fence is opening. And as soon as the fence is opening, the dogs turn around and run away in different directions. <laughs> and this is social media somehow. You know? yeah. yeah. But the bark now all we can hear is the barking because the fence stays closed. And we all have to sit at home and, and go crazy. And, and people don't earn money and they see their life running through their hands and, and go away. And other people are just uh, alone. And other people are in tiny flats with a lot of family and they start to go crazy that way. And there's no compensation. And instead of, instead of helping each other out, we talk about who is responsible for this pandemic. And everybody points with the finger to the other group. And people start calling the police saying there are, there are six people in the park and they are not from the same household and they're not wearing their masks. So it is completely crazy. So I, I, I'm, I'm just improvising myself through this shit, but I don't know where this is going. Well, I, I think what is, of course, social media has been a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, that's obvious. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there are fun things to see, like uh, even going back to Lonely Boy, 
Mm -hmm. right? Somebody photoshopped Bernie Sanders. I don't know if you know. Was that? I did. Did. Of course <laughs> I did. That. But see, isn't that what you want to see when you open up Facebook? Of course. You know, is that that kind of levity, that kind of fun? You know, and yeah. I and and checking somebody's pictures of their kids or their pets or, you know, I mean, that's that's what I focus on on social media because it is so easy to get dragged into uh, mm. a depression or a foul mood. And yeah, I've even gotten very careful about how I word an email. I try to read it back to myself and think, you know, I hope <laughs> I hope this doesn't come off. The whole the thing, the, the, the whole thing is it's it's also. Uh, I consider myself to be left somehow, but on the other hand, I what goes on with uh, political correctness and stuff like that. I I cannot. I, I hate this shit mm -hmm. because I'm 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 more interested in what people do than in what they say. Mm -hmm. So I I'd like to judge people because of their deeds. And if somebody uses a wrong word, now he's marked for life and he's branded and he's in a, in a corner. And this is wrong. This is wrong for my understanding. I think you always have to, you have to have the right to make mistakes and you have to talk, never stop talking to each other. Mm -hmm. But the, today we live in a kind of uh, a culture that makes you, they, they drive you out of the system. They just wait for one for one thing, and once you did that thing, there's no coming back from that, and this will not change easily. But but it it, it there has to be something done because the the amount of of racists and assholes did not decline at any point. They just hide themselves better because they learn how to swim through this area. That's the problem. We are we are. We are shooting on into. We are shooting people who didn't do really bad things, and other people do the worst stuff. And they're just they look nice, and they say the right words, and they wear suits, and they're fine, and they're making a lot of money while other people don't. And ah, so social media can be very bad, but I still expect to to be able to have the full experience there. I want to see jokes and good music and a good laugh, but I also want to be able to talk to people and try to bring people to, to together somehow. Well, but, you know, here, here you are and, and here I am talking and yeah. whether or not I agree with you, this would be what, what we should aim for is a civil conversation, civil discourse. Now I, I'm not saying that you and I disagree or, or not on this, I actually agree with you, but what if I were somebody that was like, I can't believe I invited this guy on here. You know, I'm going to. Yeah, you know, then we, then we would say that go. and I would say what I think about it, but it would be fine. <laughs> it, it is, you don't have to like what I say. It, 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 it's not, it's, but it's this okay. Is... I think it's quite arrogant of the left to, because they always look a little down to the right. I think this is arrogant as well. I think it is arrogant of very smart people how they look down on people who are, who are not that smart. Um, we have to sometimes just accept that things are not the same for everybody and try our best. But um, there should be room for everybody. Absolutely. And, and, not, and not just a few who are smarter or richer or, or faster 
we have to somehow make an environment that works for everybody. Well, and, and the beautiful thing is that music is one of those things that reaches everybody. Right. You know, and that I think is, is what, you know, you and I have different places that we play, but we both miss that. We both miss that ability to connect with whatever audience is in front of us. And I think that's where every artist out there is, is clamoring right now to get back to that. And every patron mm -hmm. is wanting to, to come back and, and enjoy all this. I mean, you talk about that audience uh, from Anozio and they were up with tears. I mean, yeah. everybody's, everybody's hungry for that now. So yes, I, I, soon, we, we have to get back to this soon. Oh yeah, very much. And this is, it is a very, very important way of, of having conversation with each other because we can shout at each other on social media because we don't share the same political opinions, but I can play a melody and catch and, and touch something in the heart of that person mm -hmm. who really disagrees with everything I say. I heard that I, I, I watched a clinic. There's a beautiful clinic of, uh, of Phil Smith somewhere on YouTube, like, post his his lip thing where he's just teaching he's he's doing a a, a a long class and he says so many very true and interesting things and everything he says is 100 percent authentic i really dig him uh and he, he says that at one point he mentions because somebody asked him for who, who are the people he, he he loves musical and he mentions barbara streisand and he says you know i really i really disagree with everything she says politically i think she's a terrible person politically but when she sings mm -hmm. she touches something she strikes a chord and this is this is what we're talking about this is the power of of music and this is what what we can change we can change the world in very small portions and this is the portions we can do so whenever you play anything please make it mean something Never play only notes. Just tell something. Tell a story. That's that's, that's my message for today, girls well, and boys. What a great message, though. And and not just platitudes. I mean, there's real truth. There's real value uh, to to that. So thank you for saying that. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah. I, I hope. I hope. Yeah. Um, so hang on just a second. If let's see if there are any other comments here we need to address, but. Um, well, okay, so uh, let me just say thanks to the people that were tuned in today, and I appreciate you joining us. Uh, of course, this was the first installment of the Live With series, and our first guest, my first guest, uh, the incredible Thomas Gotch, uh, trumpet player and uh, apologist for politics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I look forward to uh, not just seeing you on YouTube and other places, but I look forward to an opportunity for us to actually share a beer or, or a coffee oh. or something together. We uh, will have that. We will some... have that. And please say, please say hello to all my predecessors. So if every every uh, trumpet player who comes to your show, yeah, everybody you mentioned, please say my best regards to everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So, okay, so hang on one, one second. And uh, yeah. again, everybody, thank you very much. Uh, if you missed the first part of this, all of this is gonna show up on the YouTube channel, uh, either later tonight or by tomorrow morning. And uh, next, uh, next month, what is it, February, 
uh, Rex Richardson is going to be here February 23rd. So that'll be another fun evening with uh, with Rex. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. So bye bye. Thomas, Thomas, bye Karen. On. Bye Karen. Nice to see you. <laughs> bye Phil. Say hello to Gould. Well, that's where today's interview ends with Thomas. Typically, with other interviews, there is going to be more to be heard. I usually excerpt a significant portion from an interview and make that available exclusively for my Patreon patrons. You can find out more about how to receive that benefit and others at patreon.com slash studiohfl. Again, to those who are already patrons, once again, you have my deepest appreciation for your support. Another reminder to visit Apple Podcast, leave a star rating and a review, and please visit the Studio HFL YouTube channel and subscribe. This has been a production of PAL Music, and this show is supported by the generosity of Messina Covers, Eastman Winds, S.E. Shires, Hammond Design, and Pickett Blackburn. Once again, I'm your host, Larry Powell. Very thankful that you spent some time here today with me and my guest, and I hope you come back next week for yet another great interview. Have a great day, and see you next time.